folks, you know we always have the heavy hitters coming from Baltimore, always. And this woman that's coming on is doing big things in the city. I mean, when I first heard about the, her company, I was like, who are they? Everybody kept on bringing up this company. I'm like, what do they do? They do, they do PR. I'm like, okay, that's cool, but like, who are they? Man, you want to work with them. They, they, got, they get their work done. They help their clients out. They are truly Baltimore. Well, guess what? We're going to find out who's behind this company, name behind the company, and go from there. We'll be right back after these messages. OpenWorks is Baltimore's largest makerspace, offering access to tools ranging from 3D printers to welder and training in how to use them. OpenWorks also offers affordable studio space, a coffee shop, and fun-free events throughout the year. But OpenWorks is more than a public workshop. It's a community of creative professionals, students, seniors, entrepreneurs, and makers of all kinds. Check out the website at www.openworksbmore.org or Instagram at open underscore works underscore bmore for class schedules, membership options, and more. Pandora's Box is a mod, vibrant, woman-owned lifestyle boutique located in the historic Federal Hill neighborhood of Baltimore, Maryland. Pandora's Box offers unique selection of the latest trends, jewelry, gifts, home decor, and personal accessories. Their products are high quality, affordably priced, and hand-picked with a sense of humor and authenticity, making them items that everyone can relate to. They are known for sourcing memorable and relevant keepsakes that allow customers to give from their hearts without the stress that comes from doing so. You can count on Pandora's Box to help you select and package the perfect gift. Visit Pandora's Box at 50 East Cross Street, Baltimore, Maryland, 21230. Visit them online at pandorasboxboutique.com. Visit on social media at Shop Pandora's Box Boutique. No Picks After Dark is sponsored by Snug Books, an independent bookstore serving Northeast Baltimore and beyond. In addition to featuring new books for all ages, the store also carries cards, stationery, gifts, games, and more. Visit snugbooks.com to shop online, learn more about the store, read our latest newsletter, and find a calendar of events, or come browse the store in person. Snug Books is located at 4717 Harford Road, next to Zeke's Coffee in Hamilton, Laurelville. There is free parking behind the store and open hours are Tuesday through Sunday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Welcome to the No Picks at the Dark Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. I told you folks, we've got the heavy hitters coming in, and I'm so excited to have this amazing guest. I've been trying to get her on probably for over a year. I finally got the courage to say, hey, let's, let's do the show. Let's make it happen. Now we made it happen. Miss Quinn Collins, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? That's such the intro. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Been a long time coming. It has been. And, you know, I always see you at all the cool events in the city, and I'm like, I got to get her on the show. She is. She has the pulse of the city, I feel like. I try to. That, which I is, try to. Which is cool. That's just cool. So tell people the name of your company. And how, what year did it start? Just real quick. Um, Collins & Co. Mm -hmm. is the name of the company. And started, officially got my LLC in 2012. But the tiny steps started happening in 2011, 2010. And it's a PR firm, correct? You guys do PR and what else? PR, um, marketing, design. So we really like to think, and we've grown organically over the years, but 
kind of a one-stop shop for all your communications needs. So as clients over the years have needed social, we've really built up a social team. Same thing with design. So if someone's like, logo can you do you know someone who can do a website for us we've really built a strong talented team pretty organically so that's good to know i have people always reaching out to me asking me do you know anybody that does tiktoks i'm like i don't know anybody does tiktoking but now i can refer people to you guys yes, do you guys do not, that yes it will not be me but my <laughs> team will or it will be my seven-year-old daughter who was doing the tiktoks nice Just kidding. She does, she's not our intern yet but <laughs> on her way nice nice so Let's learn a little bit, a little bit more about you before we get into the company and whatnot. Yeah. So, are you originally from Baltimore, or I am not. I'm originally from um, Loudoun County, Virginia. Okay. Really rural. Um, when I grew up, it was super rural. There were like four high schools in the entire county. Now I think there's thirty something. It was at one point known as the fastest growing county in the nation. Mm -hmm. um, but lots of horse country and a very small, simple existence growing up. Now we're mentioned a little bit of horse country. Glad you said that, because yes. you and I have spoken before, and you said your dad used to work with horses, and it was a dentist for the horses. You grew up on a farm. Did you grow up on a farm, or was Did not grow up on a farm? Okay. So my mother was a school teacher, and my father was a horse dentist. So my dad didn't go to college. Um, oh. In the late '60s, he wanted to go, like I don't know, New Mexico, California, something like that. And my grandparents were like, "No, you're not." And he ended up learning a trade just by chance. Um, so he didn't even go to vet school. So he exclu was exclusively an equine dentist is, is the fancy way to say it. But before he met my mom, um, he would work in Virginia in farm country in the barns and then in the summertime. And then in the winter, he would go down to Florida and work on polo ponies down there. Um, yeah, so that was sort of my life. But I wanted nothing to do with horses. I was going to ask you that. <laughs> no, I was like, they have flies. I have to, like, navigate manure, like, zero out of zero, get these things away from me, which to my mother's happiness because she was like, horses have a very expensive habit. So, yeah, save them a little bit of money. Got you. So did you end up going to school up in Virginia area for college, or did you stay around the area? Or no. Um, so where I grew up, everyone pretty much went to state schools in Virginia. So right. UVA, William & Mary Tech, JMU. Um, I wanted to really get out, so I did not look in Virginia at all. So I ended up going to Denison University in Granville, Ohio, which is about a half an hour east of uh, Columbus. So mm. small school. Some call it the Harvard of the Midwest, <laughs> but it's amazing. It nice. It's an amazing experience. Nice, nice. And then you came back came back here, and Baltimore is like, now it's your new home, obviously, Baltimore. Yeah. And how long have you been in Baltimore? Um, moved to Baltimore end of 2009. Okay. Yeah, so came back to the D.C. area, did not think I was going to stay. I really wanted to get to Chicago. And um, I was looking at two different jobs at the time. Um, one was for Leo Burnett Advertising Agency in Chicago. And they wanted me to work on the Philip Morris account for them, which, mm. you know, smoking and cigarettes a lot was changing back then. Right. Um, and then I happened upon an interview with a commercial real estate firm in D.C., and knew nothing about commercial real estate, but it was a marketing job and ended up taking that. So stuck around in D.C. for a while just because it was more convenient than having to totally uproot myself. Um, and then through that, ended up coming up to Baltimore. Now, during that time period of working for that firm, did you was PR ever in your mind? Was that something that was in the back of your mind that you wanted to do or marketing for like uh, companies, did you ever think about that or was it kind of like in a back burner, like not thought about? Yeah, all? well, I mean, I was on the marketing team there, okay. so I regularly worked with PR okay. folks. Um, but it was definitely something that I was interested in. So when I went to school, I started off as a poli sci major. Mm. I 
don't know why. I because I think at the time I real didn't know what jobs were really out there. And so it was like, oh, if I just major in this, I'll get a good job and then life will be set up for me after that. Mm -hmm. But I very quickly realized I hated political science too. Um, and I loved all my comms courses that I was taking. So through that, I really supplemented a lot of my studies. Like I was um, the vice president of PR for my sorority before becoming president of it. And like all of these sort of extracurriculars that gave me some of those, those tools. So laddered up, but I had no idea what the difference was between advertising, marketing, and PR. So my background, like when I was really starting off, I started an ad sales job. Then I went to that commercial real estate firm and did marketing um, and was exposed to the PR side of things, but truly marketing was the wheelhouse. And I somehow once, and it was tr truly because we came to Baltimore and I was freelancing for a number of friends who said, hey, can you get me in Oprah Magazine? Can you get me in Women's Health? And I didn't really know what I was doing at the time, but I am a problem solver and I like dug around and found people's email addresses, different editors up in New York and started getting people placed in big ways. And I was like, I, I be kind of good at this. So mm. really leaned into it and then started to surround myself with people who are even more talented than I am. Wow. That's always, did you ever think your wildest like imagination, did you think, I want to be my own boss. I'll be my own entrepreneur. I want to have my own job, like own company. Did you ever think that? No. no I mean, yes and no. Okay. I think I didn't really know that that's what you could do. Like, yes, my father was an entrepreneur, but like I didn't even think that that was sort of a path. Like I didn't see him necessarily as an entrepreneur. I was just like, oh, this is his job. And he like mm -hmm. goes to different barns. Um, so I thought you had to go into a corporate setting and punch in your time and then be done for the day. Um, and it really happened very organically. And honestly, it's my oldest daughter, she'll be 12 in February. And it started with her because I was looking for jobs and I was like, well, I'm not gonna go back to work and leave her behind right now and basically to cancel out a salary with a daycare payment. So what can I do on my own? Um, and I know that I'm pretty talented. So that's really how it began. But I did not go into that thinking I was building a company. I was thinking, okay, I'll do this for a little bit of time while she's a baby, toddler, maybe, and then I'll like truly get back into it. Um, but look, look where we are now. I know. Look where we are now. So that's, I I'll, thank you for sharing that story because yeah. I always, people always want a little background about how a person got there and what trial and tribulation they may have went through or being an entrepreneur. I mean, your dad was an entrepreneur and you probably, you didn't realize the whole time you're watching him learning what he's doing. And it's pretty yeah. much built in you also. It's kind of like, oh, I see what he did. So let me figure things out. So Yeah. And in some ways, what not to do, too. I mean, right. he wasn't the, wasn't the best entrepreneur ever. But um, but my mom, being a school teacher, I kind of got my drive and passion from her okay. because she sort of realized, okay, there's only a ceiling I can get teaching. How can I take that even farther? And mm. when I was 8, 9, 10, she was getting her master's in counseling to get to that next level. So I saw her sort of juggling the demands of like parenting coupled with working and then really trying to better herself. So I think that between both of them, that has instilled a strong work ethic right. in me. Well, I love the breakdown. And then when we come back, folks, we're going to talk about the PR firm, the marketing firm. We're going to talk about everyone and, and, and just figure everything out and just peel off the layers and find out what's the magic behind you guys. Cause you guys have some magic. You guys have some magical things. Nice and I can't wait for our audience to hear it. Okay. We'll be right back with these messages, folks. When you give to United Way, your gift could be the first spark of something bigger. 
It can help someone find, interview for, and get hired for a job and provide follow-up services for success. It can break down educational barriers and give that extra help to a struggling student within school support programs. Give today. Spark something bigger. After Dark Podcast is proudly partnered with Maggie's Farm. Located at 4341 Hartford Road, Maggie's Farm offers a unique dining experience with delicious handcrafted cocktails and mouth-watering cuisine from falafels to scallops and everyone's favorites, honey sriracha cauliflower wings. Open for dinner from 4 p.m. until 10 p.m., Tuesday through Saturday, and for brunch, Saturday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., and Sunday from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. with delectable chicken and waffles, shrimp and grits, biscuits and gravy, and more. Check out Maggie's Farm on Instagram and Facebook for daily and weekly food specials. The No Picks After Dark podcast is fueled by Zeke's Coffee. Have you tried their coffee yet? I'm telling you, there's something different about it. Maybe it's because they roast their beans in a fluid coffee roaster, which provides the most accurate roasting temperatures and made with love. You will just have to check it out for yourself and try their delicious food while you're at it. Open now for curbside service, online ordering, carryout, and they also do wholesale. Visit Zeke's Coffee at 4719 Hartford Road. Open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Sunday, 8 to 5 p.m. Kitchen closes at 3 p.m. Or visit Zeke'sCoffee.com and you too can be fueled by Zeke's. All right. And folks, we are back with Ms. Quinn Collins. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thank you for coming on the show again. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This is so much fun. And your space is like so bright and vibrant and it's super welcoming. So not scary at all. We're going to be relaxing. You know, I want people here to talk and just have a good time and enjoy themselves. Yeah. So take us back to 2012. You mentioned a little bit earlier. Yes. You decided I'm going to go on my own and do my thing. Yeah. So how nerve wracking was that? Were you, were you scared? I mean, take us through that whole, like you were about to go on a limb and be like, oh, I'm doing my thing. Let's do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, it was not intended, like I mentioned. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was really, I was pregnant and looking for a job and, you know, it's illegal for someone not to hire you because you're pregnant, but like Mm -hmm. it's, it, no one is probably when you're like eight months. So I really was thinking like, okay, what can I do to get started? So I was freelancing for a number of friends who had businesses locally and a few friends who are still down in like the DC market. Um, I was tutoring kids. I was walking a dog and Canton pregnant. Um, I was cobbling together all of the things because that's how I've always been um, because we were not a two income house or a one income household at the time. So I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to make it work. Um, and as I continued to, to grow in my skill set with the freelancing and more business, we got more business. Um, I was like, I really think I have something here. Um, and I guess that was 2010, 2011. And so then in 2012, I think someone had mentioned to me in passing, hey, you really probably should get an LLC because if something were to happen, like someone could take your house or, you know, mm-hmm. definitely like this, like fear of God came in me. I was like, oh, like I am actually doing something. I've got to like button myself up. So 
uh, LegalZoom.com helped me get that LLC, checked the box, um, and then really started to formalize things from there. So I had a good friend who did graphic design um, that I'd worked with in a prior life, and she designed what was, that iteration was QCPR and consulting, and that was, that was just me. Um, worked with all different kinds of businesses, from doctors to spas to pottery studio, like a whole host of things. Um, but really, at the end of the day, it was about telling their stories louder than their competition and letting more people know um, what they were doing in the market. So as time went on, more clients would hear about me and then about the team that I was building, and it just kept growing and growing and growing. And at a certain point, I knew I'd have to hire someone full-time, and so... I made that leap and then just hoping that like more clients would be there to support it. Um, and it has. So and we're on the 11th year. Is that correct? So officially, ten yes. Okay. Well, yes, yes, 11th. So 10 year anniversary was last year for you? Yes. We've tried to market. We've, <laughs> yeah, I think that happened. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Thank that's a, you. That's a great, I mean, to be in the game that long. And going strong, that's, that's, that's excellent. Yeah, and you know, I think a lot of people too kind of, you know, because it was so this like under the radar kind of thing, like no one saw us coming um, because it was like, oh, she's just, that's cute. She's a mom. She's doing like some freelance stuff over there. But then as it was growing, it was like, oh, you guys can do some really good work. Can we hire you? And then I really feel like probably in 2017 is when people I started noticing were like, where the heck did you come from? Mm. So it's interesting. I'm going to give them a shout out because they'll love it. Um, Ezra and Aaron from Kane yeah. Collective. Um, when I first started, like I said, you know, if you guys first came up to me, we just, just, Quinn, you know, talking about your PR firm. I was like, who are these people? And they're like, I reached out to some valuable friends. So the Kane Collective, I'm like, hey, you guys know what's going on in Baltimore. I don't know the, I'm new in this space. And they were like, Collins & Co.? Oh, yeah. They're legit. They will work for you. They will help you out. They are very good people. People, good people to know. And I said, okay. They said it. So I said, all right, cool. Whatever y'all say, I believe it. And I remember just saying, this is this is the team right here. And you have a great team that you work with. Yes, I do. That's really strong. And you guys have great, just everything you do in Baltimore is amazing. Building the team, hiring somebody. Where does, where does one even learn to even do that? I mean, you are just building a powerhouse team. You get to hire somebody. Now you got to get somebody, you're responsible for somebody else. You've done it yourself. How hard was it to, for you to release and say, hey, you got you, you take care of this? How hard was that? Um, I am not the best at that, but no, it's good. <laughs> but I mean, it's terrifying, right? right? It's your baby. Like, and yes, but also like all the back end stuff that goes on with that too. Like right. my, my passion is marketing and PR, but like, oh my gosh, now I'm responsible for HR and accounting and legal mm -hmm. and like all of these elements. Um, so that part, you know, you just sort of, I've always been like, you learn as you go, like things happen and you'll figure it out. Um, I did. And I, you know, I have a great team. There's a business group that I belong to. It's small. There's like six of us. One is my accountant. One is mm. my HR consultant. And they throughout the years have been like instrumental in helping me ask the right questions and do the right things. Um, and then I've really hired well. I mean, I think the background with Collins & Co., because at the point that I was in my career when I launched this, was really, I knew I was talented. And I knew, though, that I wanted sort of a little bit more of a flexible sort of 
working environment. Um, and I knew that there was just as many people probably like me. So whether that was someone who like left the workplace because they were becoming a parent or just wanted more flexibility and being able to travel in their 20s or beyond, um, there was a whole group of people that was being left out. And so I was like, we can definitely find super talented people that I can trust to tell our client stories and even better job than I can. That's nice. Because you guys, I know from just reading and researching, your team, they can work from wherever pretty much, correct? Mm -hmm. And they can work from home, they can work in the library, wherever they want. That's the freedoms that you give that your team, which is amazing. Yeah. I, I put you guys, or you guys are the head of the curve because you guys, are you really understand your people. And, yeah. and which I really, really commend you on. That's huge. You guys are before the pandemic. You guys you. were already on that. What made you do that? Because that was something you, you saw in your life that you were like, I want that freedom. Can I get my other, get my own employees freedom to do things they need to do? Or? Yes and no. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I still, I do, I believe in office wholeheartedly for okay. a lot of businesses. And I mean, that's a lot of our clients too is commercial real estate. And I think actually after the pandemic, all of us were looking around being like, it might be time to get an office because we're all tired of our of our own walls. But for us, what makes it different is, yes, we can work from anywhere. And sometimes we're working from home, but we're really not working from home. We are with our clients pretty much on site on a daily basis. So whether that's a restaurant client and we're plugged in working at the bar and knowing who the dishwasher is and the bartender is, we're able to tell that restaurant stories that much better because we really feel like we're their partner, like we are a part of the team. Or if we have a traditional corporate client, we might take a day and sit in one of their conference rooms or in one of their cubicles and work alongside them. And because of that, we're really more immersed in their culture and their worlds. And like I said, we can tell their stories better than probably so competition. You talk about storytelling. I love I love that you're talking about that. Um, I always ask because people ask me like, how do you do what you do? Do you do you think? And I always I'm gonna turn it back on you now. Yeah. Storytelling. Do you think that's something that somebody can learn or somebody already has that they can tell stories? Because people that's ask me that all the time, and they're like, how do you? How are you so good at telling stories? And I've always tell them, my I had, a, I had uncles who used to tell a lot of wise tales, and as a child, I would listen to these stories. I'm like, wow. And then I became that kid in college who would tell the stories and tell the friend's story. And then that's how innately I learned how to tell stories. Yeah. From your perspective, what you guys do, is it something learned or somebody that naturally has it? Or is it taught? How does that work? How do you guys make the magic? Yeah, um, I think a lot of it is natural. Like I think there is something to be said for that lying within you and that deep drive and, and passion. I think writing for us is incredible. And that is that ties hand in hand with storytelling. Like whether we're writing a press release or social media copy, or website copy, or a pitch to an editor to get them to open our email over anyone else's. Like the writing side of storytelling is critical because people don't have time for it, and you have to be able to like pull someone in. Can writing be taught? Absolutely. Like when I was, I remember my freshman year of college. I got, I had a freshman year seminar in philosophy. You had to take them, and my professor, I think I got like a C on it or something, and he was like, it was. To the writing center, and I was like, the writing center. Like, wow. I need to like go like learn to be a better writer, and it was very humbling. And I went, and it was like a peer to peer writing review, and there was like a junior or senior who was like cutting up my paper. But because of that, and I kept going back, I became a stronger writer. I was writing better papers. My sophomore year, my mom was like, "Would you pay to write this?" And I was like, "I 
I wrote that. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, but that is really, really, really critical for like everything that we do. That's, that's interesting. That you say that because that same thing happened to me my freshman year. I went to the writing center. Yeah. And they're like, you got to get in a writing. I'm like, writing center? What, what are you talking about? I was good in high school. <laughs> and <laughs> I remember going to the writing center and learning how to write. You know, I mean, I, I don't like writing now, nowadays, but still I can know how to do it. And I found it interesting that we had that in common, the writing center. That you brought it back to college there. Uh-huh. I was definitely, I was when Macs weren't even, they were like brand new pretty much when I was it was like that big orange back and uh-huh. blue back Macs. But oh, yeah. I remember Those were that. quite the thing. That uh-huh. was a thing back in the day because I had a PC and I was like, I can't do this on Mac. I had to convert it. It was a weird thing remember back then. how big they were and they took up all the space yeah. on your desk and then the tower that, that had. Was terrible. Look where we are now. No. So talk, actually, let's talk about that even further. You started in 2012 with your company. Yeah. The world has changed so since you, like, I mean, Back in the day, you could do a blog. You could do, you know, people would read emails and do these things. Now yeah. it's like the attention span of people are like nothing anymore. Yeah. How did you learn how to evolve with the climate of how, I mean, think about you're, you're recreating the wheel every time when you're starting every year, something new. Like you yeah. have TikTok now. You have Reels. You have all this stuff. You're telling people don't. Now I've read, that this is even crazier. TikTok is searching more than Google right now, for younger generation. They can go, and I literally was at the home the other day. I was like, you make shrimp fried rice, and I typed in TikTok shrimp fried rice, and it came out. And I was like, "This is even better. I can learn in one minute. Good, I'm done." Yes, and the recipe's probably amazing. Oh, too. it is. So, how are you involved? How did you guys evolve? Like from everything changing. I mean, is there a big difference between 2012 to 2020, 2021, to where we are right now? Hundred percent. Well, I think one thing is you have to be adaptable and willing to change, and you have to sort of be able to live in that gray. Um, you know, like when we started, people were still having very formal media dinners, which are also still important, but like sit down five courses for truly just, you know, some of the top tier editors. But we really worked to incorporate more of the influencers in because we saw that coming. We really try to see what's coming next and whether that's through what we're reading, what we're watching, what we're consuming. Um, those are some of the ways that we can kind of stay ahead of things. And for, when did I have a blog? Blog. 2007 to 2009, um, I was, I guess I was a food influencer of my time Uh down in DC. It was Uh a blog called Everything in Moderation. And as things were growing closer towards 2010, I was getting reached out to by PR companies. And I was like, this is a thing, like what's what's growing? And um, had dinners out in DC. I remember Wolfgang Puck's team like had found like 10 influencers in DC that they wanted to come to this dinner. I ended up stopping doing the blog because it was a lot of work. But um, now I kind of kick myself because I could have kept that going. But I think through that, I had to learn how to like write a blog post. And this was mm. pre-social media. Well, I guess Facebook existed, but like no one was really sharing it there. Twitter, we were sharing things mm-hmm. on, um, like how to upload the right photos, like all of that. So some of that's translated, I think, into what we do now and what I charge my team with. I'm like, we are problem solvers. We figure out like what's next, what's ahead of the curve, and from there what do you say is like probably one of the most challenging things of being a firm like like as far as keeping up with the joneses keeping up with everybody else because you figure there's a million pr firms there's a million marketing firms what's what's challenging you would say that you know say by say somebody's out there a young woman a young man's like i want to start my firm i'm gonna inspire what she's doing what are some challenging things that you would tell somebody that you didn't know now that you know now before you start like well, back in the day i think they should definitely do it i mean if you've got a passion for it do it and you know I really try not to look at my competition about like what everyone else is doing Mm -hmm. and really focus on what can we do well? What can we do 
that no one else has seen yet um, and really look for like those kind of don't, no stones are left unturned. Um, and how can we not shock people, but like just do things differently. I think it's super important for people to be authentic. Like at the end of the day, sometimes we have new business meetings and, you know, the potential new client might be like, well, why should we hire you? And that to me is like the biggest red flag where I'm like, mm. Mm -mm, I don't need to sell myself like on you. Like, I really think that if you can like hear my pitch and understand it and also we have like a vibe, it's that's perfect. And sometimes we might not, and it, you might have a vibe with somebody else and that's great. Um, cause you know, business is everywhere and I champion everyone, but, um, yeah, I think that's part of the challenge. And the second, you know, if someone's like, mm, what can you do for me? It's not, that's not a great fit. Mm, right. See, you dropping jewels and gems right now. I'm, I'm lucky I don't got my pen and paper out oh, right now. I'm take it to, out. Come on. I'm to take it out. It's you, a good you, thing you're recording this. I know. I can go back and do some homework. I mean, you are dropping jewels and gems that I really appreciate you saying. Because a lot of people, like, you know, I, again, I started the podcast in 2019. I didn't think I'd be here doing this right now. I really didn't. I thought it was just, it was for my kid. One of my kids listening to something for my, his dad and his friends. And now here we are. And... I like what you're saying because it's just a lot of things that you said. I'm going to go ahead and do it. I'll make it happen. I'll make it work. You know, I'm going to figure out. I don't even pay attention to my competition. I do what I do and keep it, make sure I'm doing the best, as be the best of people out there. How do you get, I mean, do you come, do you, companies approach you guys or do you guys approach companies? Is there like a, like a, how does that courting happen? How does that, does that happen? Or yeah. is it kind of like, you know, one of those things. So, and say for instance, you have a company or a startup who doesn't have the money for you guys but you might see the potential. What do you, I mean, so that's a two-part two question. Yeah, so I guess answering the first part, um, we have been very blessed in that I've never chased new business. It's really been the work that we've done has mm. led to every new client that we've had. So we do great work on one client, they tell a friend, and they tell another friend or peer, or they see something on social media. So it's really all inbound inquiries, which is amazing. Um, and I, I know not everyone is like that, but I think that speaks to the level of work and service that we provide. Um, and, you know, starting off, I was working with really small businesses, um, some who, you know, today, well, and some lessons learned. So, like, let's tell that person too. yeah, go do it. But you're going to have to, like, see a lot of maybe not so good things like along the way. But mm -hmm. in order to know what you like and feel confident in that, you also have to know what you don't like. So some of that is sort of par for the course. Um, and I would never change anything kind of along the way. Um, do you guys customize certain things for all your certain clients or whatnot? Or? We do. Everything's, okay. Everything is totally customized. And I think that's really, again, kind of where we come from the perspective of like, we're your partner, not your vendor. So like we put ourselves in your shoes. And so like, okay, it's not a cookie cutter approach. And there are firms that do that and do it well of like, First, we do this press release, and then we mm -hmm. announce it this way. And um, we really think about things pretty uniquely. So, you know, even for a small startup, you know, we definitely think through every potential new business opportunity. So we never say no right off the bat, but we really want to think through, like, can we, are you great to work with? Are our values aligned? Do you, um, do you have great stories to tell? I think that's the biggest thing, too. Like, if we know that it's, rooted in some amazing things that we can just tell a little bit louder, then that's that's the sweet spot. Wow. So if you could say, what was probably one of the, the, I mean, I know you have several amazing clients. 
What's some fun things that you don't have to name the client, but some fun things that you guys have done or put on like a benefit or whatever, maybe for like a, a release or a PR that people are like, wow, that, that sticks out to this day. Like, wow, we can't believe we pulled this off. Yeah. Is there anything out there that you can re? I mean, there's so many, so many things. Um, and like, I often pinch myself to be like, how the hell are we here getting right. to tell like these brands that like I saw like growing up, like. Gets his candy, for example, is one of our clients, and um, I was—I remember distinctly when I was on my yearbook team in high school, eating a lot of caramel creams, and so now to come full circle and they're a client, like that, just is like definitely like a pinch me moment. Um, to Gunther and Company is a restaurant that we've worked with since the very, very beginning, and when we planned that opening, that's one of those ways where we we're like, okay, how can we do this differently from a different way to have dinner? And I think we were one of the first in the city to do a restaurant opening that had traditional media and all the influencers as they were starting, that was back in 2016, yeah, was probably, um, yeah. come together. And so we made it, I don't know if you've been to Gunther's space, but mm -hmm. it's a huge old Gunther um, brewery. And we ended up having um, all everyone sort of walk through in a progressive way and there were different dishes in each space. And, um, you know, with the influencers, well, they want to share all the photos on, you know, Instagram and have them look as good as they can. So we had the photographer that we'd hired that night do a food photo booth. And mm. so we had him style it with like lighting and tweezers. So, I mean, this was six years ago. So this was like very ahead of the time. Yeah. So they would then bring their dishes over and they would like look perfect. So that helped Gunther really launch because all the photos that people put out were awesome. Um, you know, we've done like cool media mailers. Um, we did one for Duck Duck Goose recently that were these beautiful golden chocolate eggs that someone had to whack open and inside was their like invitation to come in for dinner. And we got nice. calls from like, I didn't get an egg. And we're like, well, you guys did a really cool thing. I remember for, uh, for Noe Rose, I remember I got, um, was a flat roses and, and it was, uh, the rose bottle. Yeah. And I was like, this is so nice. Like, you know what I mean? That yeah. that has, you know, that, that signature is like, wow, that's what it's all about. That's really, they really take care of their people. They really, you know, and that, that is class. And I really just wanted to let you guys, that was really nice. Thank you. That yeah, we try nice to touch. think about like each one, like I said, very differently. Um, and then we work, you know, we work with a ton of companies down in DC, like Capital One Center in Tyson's Corner. Oh, wow. We rebranded their hotel down there, the Watermark Hotel. And so that I know for our art director, Carly, she got to walk into the hotel and what she designed is like all over that hotel. And it's, those are just like, I can't believe this like happened. And it's, it's amazing. And then we work with, I mean, you know, we work with Guinness Open Gate mm -hmm. Brewery and that's a personal favorite of mine. I mean, my first flight, I was 12 years old and my parents took us to Ireland and made you know, my sister stand underneath every Guinness sign all throughout the Southwest coast of Ireland. Um, so to, to now be able to represent them is yeah. amazing. Wouldn't that be amazing? I would think like, wow, I can't believe I'm working with them right now. And that, that sounds like really amazing to me. Yeah. That's so much fun. So, I mean, again, look, I, I love this conversation because this is, I mean, we could talk forever about this because I am really enjoying it. I know my audience is enjoying this because, again, you're dropping so much knowledge that a lot of people, and I like what we said in the beginning. I wanted to peel away the layers. Yeah. And we'll learn a little bit about what you guys. So you are right now, are you guys right in the Baltimore, D.C. area, Northern Virginia area? Yeah. Are you expanding and are you are you growing? Or? All, all of the things. So okay. half of our team's up here in Baltimore and the other half is down in 
um, the DC area. Okay. So we really like to think that we have our finger on the pulse of everything that's happening kind of in the mid-Atlantic. Um, a lot of our industries that we work with are commercial real estate and development, hospitality and tourism, and then nonprofits. And so I think through those three industries, we really kind of get a sense of what's happening. Um, we've worked in other markets, um, whether it's New York, Florida, California, specific to the industries that we really represent. Um, we've done that work. So or where we go next. It's exciting. And then during the pandemic, just real quick, like, yeah. were you a little nervous during the pandemic as far as things started to slow down a little bit, people weren't going out? Like, was that a lot of thinking, like a strategy? Like, all right, how do we adapt to this? Was that 100%. Yeah. I mean, like, our clients were some of the hardest hit. I mean, commercial real estate, like right. no one was going back to the office. Um, restaurants, hotels, like, suffered, right? So, um, I was nervous. I didn't get nervous until probably like week two where I was like, Ooh. and you know, that week two, I had some of our clients, some would call me crying and say, mm. oh my God, I don't think we can pay you. And we'd heard from other businesses, there would be people who said, okay, then we're done working. And I was like, we are not doing that. You need us more than ever. So guess what? We're going to pause on this for you or, or help you out during this period. And that paid itself off in dividends mm. because it really built built up that like loyalty and trust alongside them, and I was like, "We are we are with you," um, and I probably I never probably worked harder than I did in those weeks following what March thirteenth of twenty twenty, um, to the point where I mean I didn't pay I did not take a salary for probably six months because I wanted to ensure too that my people were taken care of, mm. and so if that meant me sacrificing, you know, I mean, where was I going anyway at, the, at a certain point? It's like, I wasn't going out to dinner either. I wasn't going to the gym. So like I was saving money in some ways, but that was really, really important to me because, you know, no one knew how to navigate the PPP system. Right. There were so many crazy factors, but we all were here. We're here. You learned a lot. Did you learn a lot about yourself during that time period? I did. I, I would hope that everyone sort of learned so. a lot about themselves, <laughs> but you know, I think, I've gone through a lot of challenges in my life, like whether it's personal or professionally, and I think you come out stronger through it. Like it can feel like you're trudging through mud and how the heck am I gonna get out of here? But if you just keep putting one foot forward, you'll you'll get there. What do you hope people who watch this episode or listen take away from you, your firm, and what you guys what do you what do you think what do you want to walk away with thinking? Um Oh, gosh, that's a good question. I mean, I think that, you know, we are extremely passionate about the work that we do. And again, that we are creative thinkers and storytellers. Um, and I don't think a lot of people know what PR is. I mean, I think that we're still educating a lot of people in the PR realm. People are, again, sort of back to my original part of my career where it's like, what's advertising? What's marketing? What's PR? Isn't it all one and the same? And so, it's not. Each one is different, um, but all important. And I think a lot of people think of marketing as the bigger umbrella and PR as a tactic beneath it. But mm. at the end of the day, PR is all about brand reputation. Right. And so if you have no brand reputation, everything else falls to the wayside. So we really think of like PR is almost like the number one thing you need to have. And then everything else kind of comes beneath that. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you got through the hard part. There was the easy part coming. Okay. Just the easy part. This is my favorite part of the show. You ready? All right. Speed round. Crab cakes or crabs? Crab cakes, particularly from Eddie's of Roland Park. Oh, okay, okay. You don't want to get your hands dirty, huh? The crab cake crabs? No. I don't want to take a shower before dinner <laughs> and then another one after. 
Got you. See, I like crabs because we everybody has to put their phone down. And I get the, that. And then we're, then we're talking. I get I, that. That's the only reason why I like the crabs part. Yep. But that, I like crab cakes, though. I like Cocos. But I know. I, I, I need to go. <laughs> I need to go. Dr- for wings, chicken wings, drums or flats? Drums. Blue cheese or? Ranch. Ranch? Okay. Mm-hmm. What season do you like better, spring or fall? Fall. Favorite band that you like to go see in concert? Gosh, favorite band? Um, I don't have a favorite band. I've lo- I've I am all over the map. Whether it's like Britney Spears to Pearl Jam to Chris Stapleton. Last good concert, okay. then. Last good concert you went to. I saw Harry Styles last year on a whim. I didn't even know any songs that he sang. That's all it was right, fun. Though. It was a fun show. That's all right. In sync or Backstreet Boys. <laughs> 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 no boy bands, thank you. <laughs> I had to say, I had to say, I, but no. Again, thank you so much for your time, and I'm so happy. So, where can we find you guys on the social media handles? On the social media, yeah. Where handles? can they find out if somebody wants to reach out? They have a company. They're like, hey, you know, we want to reach out and feel like we. I feel like we're a match. I just heard her talk. I I want to be. I want to be a part of this. Team. Yeah. How can we? How can they reach out? Um, they can shoot us an email at info at collins-company.com or Instagram's great spot, and that's Collins underscore company. And your team, you started off at one. How many do you have now? Ten. Shout out to your team. Yeah, it, they're awesome. There's one back them. there right now giving me the eye, so I got to cut the time off. But no, I'm, she joking. Is. I'm joking. But uh, I really appreciate you guys. You guys have come in. I'm glad that we talked. We spoke several times, but so happy to get you on the show and just this really talk. This is so fun. And just laid back, you know. And it went by in a flash. It did. It did. So thank you for everything that you do for the Baltimore community, getting those stories out and those stories told for these businesses out here because I think really these businesses really need a lot of help and you guys are telling that story. And again, everybody talks so highly of you guys. That's why people really love what you guys do. So thank you to Kyle's and Co. for doing what you're doing. Thank you. And thank, thanks to you for like shining a light. I mean, I think both of us love Baltimore in a really big way. You know, I'm not from here and I could not have started my business in any other city than Baltimore. I mean, Baltimore has been so welcoming and um, it's where I'm raising my children and I wouldn't, I'm not moving. I would tell people Baltimore's a place to be. If you're an entrepreneur, it's the place to be. You can make it, you make it through the pandemic. Baltimore Fiscal Partners is a boutique CPA firm specializing in accounting and consulting services for nonprofits, small businesses, and with experience running nonprofits and small businesses, they know that there's not always enough time at the end of the day for you to focus on your finances, whether it's monthly bookkeeping or an annual audit, tax preparation, or consulting, nonprofit or small business. Baltimore Fiscal Partners provides full range or tailored solutions that keep your goals and budget in mind. Learn more about Baltimore Fiscal Partners online at BaltimoreFiscal.com or follow them at Baltimore Fiscal on Facebook and Instagram.